Joining us now is Zach Williams. He's a two-time Grammy Award-winning artist known for his blend of Southern rock, country, and faith-filled songwriting. Along with an additional five Grammy nominations, Zach's a multi-GMA Dove Awards and K-Love Fan Awards winner. Among his top hits are Chain Breaker and There Was Jesus. And Zach's here with us today to share his story and the power of music. Zach, welcome to Takeaways. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. I am, I am such an admirer of, you, of your music. I have, been, I have been making campfires in my backyard, and I have been playing your music over and over and over. And uh, it's really an honor to be talking to you today. I appreciate it, man. I think every time that I've tuned into one of your campfires, I've heard one of my songs. So yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to help viewers just go back a little bit and learn a little bit more of, uh, about the man behind the music. In the very beginning, you, you weren't a music guy. You were an athlete. Talk to us about your transition from, from being on the field sure. to being on the stage. Music has always been, you know, in my upbringing, I would say. My dad was a worship leader, so I grew up I grew up in the church and I grew up around music. Uh, I just, I never had a desire to play an instrument until I couldn't play sports. Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, my dream was to play in the NBA one day. Uh, and so everything that I did was revolved around basketball and, and church, I would say. Um, and so, um, you know, like most of us do when we start, you know, trying to make our own decisions in our high school years, we think we know more than everybody else and start making bad decisions. And my senior year of high school, uh, I made some pretty bad decisions and I got in trouble for drug use and I ended up dropping out of high school my senior year. Uh, I lost a couple Division One basketball scholarships and I ended up quitting school. And uh, my dad had a construction company and I, I just remember thinking, man, my life, my life's over. Like everything that I've worked so hard to become was, was gone in just a split second. Um, but a year later, I, I met a guy at a, I was playing in like a men's intramural league and, and we were playing uh, on a Tuesday night and this guy came up and he was like, hey man, I know who you are and uh, if you think you could leave that stuff alone, I could get you a tryout you know, at this junior college. And so I walked onto a junior college, I tried out for the team, uh, made the basketball team and um, got a full scholarship. And so I moved four hours away from home and then that's kind of where it all you know, went downhill from there. You know, you move four hours away from home and you have all this new freedom. Uh, I, I was surrounded by, you know, other guys and girls that I was constantly trying to impress and outdo. And uh, I was just kind of one of those, one of those guys that went 110% no matter what I was doing. And, um, and the day before my freshman season started, I tore all the ligaments in my ankle and I had to redshirt my, my first year in, in college. And so I didn't, I didn't play sports and I didn't travel, but my roommate had a guitar that looked, uh, almost like the one I play every night on stage. And I remember picking that guitar up. And the first time I held a guitar, I was drawn to it in a way that I couldn't explain it. I was like, man, this is, this is what I want to do, you know? And, and so that's when music started for me. I was 19 years old, freshman year in college. And that was kind of the starting point. That's how I got into music. And, um, you know, it took me down some dark roads for a number of years, but I feel like God had a plan from, from day one, um, you know, and he's allowed me now to, to walk down some pretty dark roads, um, to stand on the other side and, and, and talk to people about what he can do in your life if you just give it all to him. Um, and I think the platform that he's given me now is just an amazing opportunity to tell the world how good God is. Mm. 
That is, that is so great. And, and I heard that on a trip to Spain, you heard a particular song by Big Daddy Weave called Redeemed that had a big impact on yeah. you. T- talk about that. You know, in 2012, uh, I guess I'd been playing music for quite a while at that point, and I was in a rock band at the time, and we were leaving to go, uh, we were leaving to go to Europe for a month on tour, and my wife was pregnant with our daughter at the time, and I remember her coming to me, and she said, you know, we can't, we can't stick around and watch you kill yourself, basically, you know, if you can't make some, some changes for our family, we're not, we're not going to be here anymore, and, uh, you know, I knew that I didn't want to lose my wife and kids, I knew that I couldn't do that on my own, but I'd been raised in church and my parents had planted that seed at, at such an early age. I remember thinking about, you know, this, this Jesus that they talked about growing up in church. And I was on a bus in Spain and we were driving eight hours across Spain one day and I was reading, I was reading a book and I was listening to some music and I had my headphones on and I was staring out the window and I, I was just praying. I, and I, I remember just saying, God, if you're who you say you are, you know, if you're, if you're real and you can prove it, then I'll, I'll leave all this behind. And about an hour later, I took my headphones off and closed my book and I was staring out the window and our bus driver was scanning radio stations and it stops on Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave in in the middle of Spain. And I was like, you know, what are the chances? And I knew immediately like that was God getting my attention. And I listened to this song in my hotel room over and over and over that night. And I just realized like God saw me in a way that I could never see myself, you know, and I called my wife and, and told her that I was coming home from this tour and that I was going to quit my band and cancel my shows and we were going to find a church. And I think, you know, she was pretty skeptical at first, but I remember giving my life to the Lord on June 10th of 2012 in my bedroom closet floor. And and we never looked back. That was the start of our, our new life, I would say. Wow. So So you were on the road as a musician, but you were not singing for the Lord. You were not living for the Lord. No. You were living for yourself. And that's when you heard that song from Big Daddy Weave. And then eventually, after you told your wife this and you had this turnaround, you become a campus director and a worship leader at a church in Arkansas. Is that right? And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. man, what, what was that like? Because now, instead of singing for, for, for praise for you, you were singing as a worship leader encouraging people to give praise to God. Was that a difficult shift? Honestly, it wasn't. Not as, not as, not as difficult as, as I thought it would be. If anything, it was the complete opposite. I remember, I remember when they asked me to, to lead worship at this church, um, you know, feeling unqualified for the job. You know, I was like, man, I've never led worship. I'm not a worship leader. I've, I've never been to school to do right. any of this. And I remember the pastor of the church kind of being like, yeah, we kind of figured you would say that, but we feel like God's kind of put you in our path because we feel like with your story, you can reach a group of people that we're not able to reach. And, and, and the thing is, is when I grew up as a kid, you know, I grew up in church. I grew up, my dad leading worship. Uh, I worked for my dad for about 15 years of my life. And, uh, and those 15 years were some of the darkest days of my life. And my dad knew I wasn't in church and his way to have me in church every day on that job site was we listened to Christian music all day long on the job. And so when I started working at this church, that music had become like part of my DNA. It was like ingrained into me. And, and, and I remember the first time I stood on stage, just the relief I felt because it was like, I don't have anybody here that I'm trying to impress but God. And it was the first time I'd played a song or, or, or music or, mm. or anything and felt completely comfortable in my own skin standing on that stage because it, was, it wasn't about me anymore. Uh, and it felt good to know that it wasn't about me. And... uh 
And so for me, the transition was super easy. Um, you know, God kind of had a plan for the whole thing. And, and, and I feel like I was starting to see this plan kind of unfold. Zach, I'm so thankful for you. When I listen to you and when I'm being ministered to by your music, I, I just sense a genuine spirit of humility in you. And I know that that comes from real world experiences and what God has brought you through. I just find it interesting that someone with your kind of success, go back and talk a little bit more about Right, there are so many artists who maybe have not been able to make it in mainstream markets, and so then they go to a lesser market, like a Christian market, and try to get rediscovered there. But, but clearly, you weren't looking to get rediscovered. You were trying to help others discover who they yeah. are and help them discover who he is. How did you do that yeah. without it going to your head? When I started going to church, when I gave my life to the Lord, I remember I put the guitar down and I decided I wasn't going to play music anymore. Um, I mean, my entire, my goal after giving my life to the Lord was to be a, a better father, a better husband, have a relationship with the Lord. And I, you know, I didn't, honestly, I wasn't seeking to do this. Um, to be honest with you, it kind of, it kind of came out of a prison ministry that my wife, honestly, um, I think she's responsible for um, because she signed up on a Sunday afternoon to go share a testimony at a women's prison. And I remember her um, trying to convince me to go. And I, and I decided I didn't want to go the first time. Um, I didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and she, she went, she shared her story with these women and she came home and she was on fire. And she said, hey, um, I know you've been writing some new songs. I know you're kind of getting back into playing your guitar you should go with me this next time. We should share our story with these women at this prison and you should play one of those new songs that you're writing. And it was kind of for me the first time that I picked my guitar back up and thought, okay, maybe there is something to some of this new, song, new, new music that I'm writing. And um, we go in and share our story with these women in this prison on a Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I, get, I gave an invitation and there were 35 women that gave their lives to the Lord. And I had my eyes closed and I remember looking up at the end and just, I couldn't finish the song. I was so choked up. And I felt like God said, Zach, if you need an aha moment, here it is. You know, this is what I want you to do. These are the songs. These are the places. These are the people. Um, this is what I have for your ministry. And so from that point on, it was very clear to me, like, I was just supposed to write songs about where I'd been in my life and the experiences that I had. And I felt like God was going to take it and do the rest. And so when when the, the record deal and the success and the things started to happen, um, it almost just fell kind of in my lap. It wasn't like I was out trying to knock these doors down because I'd done that in the past and it, and it never opened. And then when I gave my life to the Lord and started writing these songs from my personal experiences and trying to put yeah. my testimony in it and share what he's done in my life with others, it was like he just blew the doors down. It was like, okay, here you go. Let's mm. do this thing. Zach, you, you, you once said all those years God was chasing me even though I was not running to him. He allowed me to go out and kind of live this life and now I have a story to tell. One of my mentors and good friends, Johnny Erickson Tada, who's been in a wheelchair for 55 years, said sometimes God permits what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. That sounds very yeah. much like what you have said. What do you mean by that? God permitted this, and now you have a story to tell. It's kind of those things that, you know, you, you don't realize you're at a dead end until you get to the dead end, you know? And it's, 
I've got a song on a new record that I'm releasing this fall. It's called Looking For You. Um, you don't realize you're looking for something until you find it. You know, it's, it's usually the last place that you look is where you find the thing that you're looking for. You know, I think of the Bible, Zach, where, where uh, the Bible says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Uh, and we're supposed to follow that act. We're supposed to pick up our cross and follow and go do likewise. Uh, is, is that hard or, or, or is it just coming naturally to you? I, I got to stop talking about you being so humble because I might wreck your humility. But what do you think? <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely hard. I mean, uh, I, I'll be honest. I, you know, I get it wrong more days than I get it right. You know, but that's, that's the thing. You know, um, when, I, when I look at what the cross means and when I look at what Jesus has done, um, Jesus knew Zach Williams before I ever existed. And he knew the things that I would struggle with. And so he died on a cross for me. And when I look at it that way and realize that it's all right to fail, um, he's going to be there to help me. That's, that's what freedom is, you know, and, and it's not thinking that because I'm a Christian, I'm going to have a perfect life because if anything, um, being a Christian is harder than it was before I became a Christian, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, my goal is to be more like him and less like myself. And, and so that's what I'm striving for. But I don't always, I don't always get that right. Zach, uh, help me understand how you write the kind of songs that you write. I mean, I mean, what, what's the most important thing? Are you thinking in your mind, I got to get come up with a catchy, a catchy tune or I've got a message that is on my heart right now or I'm trying to work through this emotional uh, train wreck that I'm personally dealing with and I need an outlet. So I use my music or is it a combination of all that stuff? I think it's the combination of everything you just said. I mean, um, obviously it all for me starts with a lyric or an idea. Um, for the most part, um, it's, it's a, I'm always trying to write from some place or season that I've been through some experience. Um, a lot of times the lyric is always the first thing for me and, and I can kind of hear the melody in my head before I ever even take it to an instrument. Um, you know, but like some days it's different, you know, um, when we wrote Chainbreaker, um, I was still working at a church in Arkansas. Uh, I wasn't signed to a record label or anything like that. Um, I was involved in a prison ministry and I'd been in Nashville for a week and we were writing songs all week long and come Friday afternoon, I was out of ideas. I had no ideas left. And I thought, man, I've got one song right left. And these people are going to figure out that I'm not very good at doing this. And this is going to be my last chance of writing songs. And so I go into this room on a Friday afternoon and Jonathan Smith, who has now produced and co-written most of my songs and all my albums, uh, and a girl by the name, uh, her name is Mia Fields. And we're sitting in a room together and I'm sitting there just telling my story basically from the time I was a child until where I was in my life at that time in, in prison ministry, this church I was working in. And I was just hoping somebody was going to have an idea for a song. And all of a sudden, Mia turns to me and she says, Zach, you got to write a song called Chainbreaker. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, that's a cool title. But I had no idea how it would go. And Jonathan started playing piano. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. And they kind of stopped and looked at me. And I was like, I don't know where that came from, you know. And that day, it was like God just took the pen and paper and wrote the song for us. And I drove back to Arkansas just praying that this song would take off. And six months later, 
the record label heard the song and offered me a record deal. So that's kind of how it happened. And then by the time I got my record deal, me and Jonathan had pretty much written an entire record um, secretly by, behind everybody's backs. And we're kind of like hoping that this would happen and then I would get to put all these songs out. And so that first record was really just just me every day going into a room hmm. with Jonathan and going, man, what feels like what feels like the right song for today and what's something that I can say that I've been through that's going to help somebody else. And that's kind of how that first record went. What's unique about singing to inmates? I mean, I've stood on stages and you, you, there's excitement with all these people who have paid money to, you know, come listen to you play. But, but these guys are paying time in a cell. Yeah, I mean, it's... What is that like? I think for me... Um, that's been, to this day, one of the highlights of anything I've ever been a part of. I mean, when you walk into a place where everybody is, is a prisoner, you know, and you see them find freedom, you know, it's, you can't describe that. Um, you know, because it, initially I remember every time I've ever gone into a prison, that kind of like fear of what am I going to say to break the ice? You know, how am I going to relate? But I realize man, where I was in my life, I could have easily been any one of those men or women behind the bars, you know. And for the most part, you know, a lot of these these guys and girls have, have never had, um, you know, a physical mother or father in their life. Um, and to, to be able to share with them that you have a father in heaven that loves you more than anything in this world, you mm. know, and he wants the best for you. And when you start, like, explaining that and sharing that with people and singing and just allowing them to kind of let their guard down and just be in the moment. It's, it's pretty cool to watch, you know, these guys and, and these girls find, find freedom, you know, behind bars, honestly. It's pretty awesome. Zach, you became the first artist in Christian music history to, to jumpstart your career with two back-to-back number one songs, Chainbreaker and old church choir. When you found sudden success like this, after all that you had been through, did that success make your life easier or did it make it harder? <laughs> it was, I think more than anything, I probably put the pressure on myself. I don't feel like anybody around me was was putting that pressure on me. I do remember after Chainbreaker and uh, old church choir kind of came out and, and did everything that they were gonna do. I told my record label that I was gonna retire at the end of the year and just, just go out on top because I didn't know if I could ever duplicate any of that again. Right. I feel like if you can just be honest with people, um, stay transparent and raw, and right from where you've been in your life, there's always going to be somebody that can relate to what you've gone through. And, and if anything, the one thing we can all relate to is we all need Jesus. And so I try to write from that place every time I sit down to do a song, and hopefully um, if I can continue to do that, Maybe I'll have a long, long career uh, in Christian music. Man, I love your, your duet with Dolly Parton, There Was Jesus. I play it over and over on my playlist. Uh, why did you write that song, and, and what are you hoping people will take from it? I had the opportunity to write with kind of a country legend songwriter by the name of Casey Bethard. And uh, me and Casey and Jonathan Smith sat down one morning, and we were just kind of talking. And this title, There Was Jesus, kind of popped up. And for me, the idea was, you know, I can look back on my life and all the places and all the things that I've gone through and done. And maybe in the moment, I didn't realize that God was involved in any of it. But 
when I step back 20 years and look at my life, I realized that there was Jesus. He was in that, in that moment, every minute. And, um, and when we wrote this song, it was kind of funny. Um, I came home with the song and we had a demo and my wife about three years earlier had told me I should do a song with Dolly Parton one day. And we kind of had a good laugh over it. Cause I was like, I have no, you know, Dolly Parton has no idea who I am. You know, she's not going to do a song. And when I brought this demo home, Crystal said, Zach, you need to call Dolly Parton. And I was like, well, you know, do you have her number? Cause I don't. And, uh, <laughs> we tracked her down and, uh, I remember, you know, initially finding out that she had agreed to listen to the song. And I was like, wow. And so when I, when I talked to her the first time I ever, ever talked to her in the studio, she said, Zach, she said, uh, I get up every morning and I just pray that God's going to put what he wants me to be a part of in front of me. And she said, this song came across my desk and she said, I never made it through the chorus and I knew that it was special. She said, I think it's one of the prettiest songs I've ever heard. And she said, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And um, I mean, when, when somebody like that tells you that it's, I mean, it was the best feeling in the world and, you know, and what she brought to that song and the audience that she took that song to the, the reach that she had for people to hear the name of Jesus. It was just such a, such a win for the kingdom. Um, I couldn't be happier. And she's, you know, there's a reason why she's, um, had the career she's had. She's, she's a pretty unbelievable person. She sure is. What, what an honor to be singing with her and then together to be singing for Jesus. Uh, beautiful song. And then right on the heels of that, uh, you came out with Less Like Me from the album Rescue Story. Uh, would you say that that, that that song pretty much sums up your life story? You know, as a Christian artist um, and kind of had, had kind of being in the Christian music business for a few years and realizing, you know, there's a lot of people that are watching you and think that because we do what we do, um, our life must be perfect. Our life, you know, we must not have any problems and things are great. And what they don't realize is it's not that case, you know, at all. Um, like I said earlier, I get, I get it wrong more than I get it right. But I remember growing up in church and hearing the fruits of the spirit. And those were always the things that we, you know, strive to be. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's never how you start the race. It's how you finish it. And so for me, my, my goal is to end well and to be more like Jesus and less like myself. And you got a brand new album coming out, or that's out right now, actually. Uh, talk about it. It's called Heart of God. Yeah, so this, uh, this new song um, may be my favorite song I've ever been a part of writing. Um, you know, I grew up a church kid, and I grew up, I can't tell you how many times I walked to the front of the aisle or how many times I said the prayer. Um, every Sunday, I thought maybe I needed to do it again because I thought I might have got that wrong last week. Uh, better, better try to do that again. And I just had this idea as a kid growing up that, that God just kind of sat on a throne with his arms crossed, just kind of shaking his head at everything I did wrong. And really for me, it wasn't until, um, I became a father uh, of my own and, and realized just how much he loves us. You know, if I know how much I love my kids and, and if he loves me that much, then that's enough, you know? And so when I realized that, um, you know, and when you, if you know the story, you know, the fact that he sent his son to die on a cross because he loved us so much, like, and the fact that Jesus chose to die on that cross for us, you know, he didn't have to. And so kind of, there's a spot in that song that says he's not sitting there shaking his head, wishing he would never went to that cross. You know, he's not sitting there shaking his head. He went to that cross. He went to that cross because he loves us so much. That's when I think of the heart of God, love is the biggest characteristic. And so 
for me, um, I've always loved an invitation. I've always loved a chance to share my story with people. Um, and I know the majority of us, we never feel worth it. We never feel worthy or good enough. And none of that matters in the eyes of God. Like when he looks at you, he only sees love. And, and so this song for me has been, um, man, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite ones. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.